Hallelujah to the Lamb. How many of you are glad that God is your hope? The old song said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. I hope your hope is built on the Lord. And can I tell you what will happen in life if you're not careful? Build your hope on something else and watch it begin to fade away. Build your hope on somebody else and watch them let you down. And don't think you can build your hope on yourself and be safe because you'll let yourself down. You better learn how to build your hope on God. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, thank you for today. I pray now that you'll bless us as your word goes forth. Uh, let everything that we do and everything that we say be pleasing in your sight and help your people to become all you want them to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many times have you taken a group picture and you were excited to get that group picture back? Uh, I can recall on a trip to Israel, uh, we took this beautiful group picture with the Dome of the Rock, that golden dome behind us. We were on the mountain of olives, the Mount of Olives, and we took this great picture, right? And when we got our pictures back, it, it's amazing. Everybody anxiously grabbed their picture, and guess what each one of us did? First thing we did was look for ourselves in the picture, right? There's something egocentric about pictures where you just got to see, okay, now what, what did I look like? Did, did my picture come out right? Was I smiling? Were, were my eyes open? Can you see my face? And that's the way life is. We, we are very egocentric about life, and, and we tend to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Uh, we act as if, in many instances, like the world was created to revolve around us, and everybody in our sphere of influence should have gotten the message that everything that they do should revolve around me. But Paul is concerned. In the 12th chapter of Romans, uh, Paul challenges us on what it means to not surrender to God, but to make a total commitment to God. And what it means to make that commitment every day of our lives. He challenges us to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. He, he challenges us to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that the Holy Spirit can work within us to make the changes on the inside so that those changes are manifested on the outside. But when we get to verse 3, Paul is concerned about how we now perceive ourselves and others. I want to continue our series, Being a Believer Every Day, and I want to talk today from the thought, seeing yourself and others God's way. Seeing yourself and others God's way. See, the truth of the matter is, when, when we look at the world through our lens, we, we have a tendency to think more highly of ourselves than we should. And when we think more highly of ourselves than we should, we think lower of other people than we should. 
We, we don't have a good balance in terms of how we see ourselves and how we see others. And so many times in life, we see others as people to be dominated, to be mistreated, to be taken advantage of, instead of recognizing that they too are gifts from God. Our foundational text is Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3, seeing yourself and others God's way. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Number one, every day you need to see yourself properly. Every day you need to see yourself properly. Verse 3 of Romans chapter 12, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, one of the things that's important for me to communicate to you today is the importance of having a proper perspective of yourself. There are many people in life, and I'm talking about folk grown adults who have children and grandchildren who still don't have a proper view of themselves, in part because they were never given that proper view of themselves by those who were in their life, whether it was parents or grandparents or spouses. They were treated badly, talked down to, and so they have a poor image of themselves. And one of the things that God has taught me over the years is how important it is to know who you are in Christ so that God's perspective of you predominates your life and predominates your psyche, not how somebody else treated you or what somebody else said about you. So if for nobody else, if for you today, that's your message, find out what God says about you and not what other people have said about you. Find out the love that God makes available to you and not the meanness and hatred that other people have shown you. I was just looking at a situation of a family of generational brokenness. And, and that generational brokenness I look at, and, and, and I can tell you the family's mine. We've been doing some genealogical research in my family and going back. And I can see the brokenness from my great-grandfather to my grandmother to my father to me to my children. And, and my hope and prayer is that it stops before it gets to my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren, right? Because that generational brokenness can be settled. It doesn't have to be on purpose for it to be powerfully implanted in the next generation. And it's because of the view and image that we have of ourselves but I believe what Paul is really concerned about is the inflated view of ourselves that we put off. Now, sometimes that inflated view is because we really believe we're better than other people. Sometimes that inflated view is communicated because of an unresolved insecurity that we have deep down on the inside. For example, you ever seen anybody walk in a room and they want you to know and believe that they are the most beautiful person in the world? And you're looking at them going, uh don't think so, right? Or the person that never gets a date who says all the women want them, and you're like, okay, like delusional, right? What are you smoking? I want some of that, right? Like you look at people and you hear them say things and, and you have to realize that, that much of what they say and much of what 
they pretend to believe is coming out of a place of hurt. It's coming out of a place of unresolved pain. Paul says, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought. Look at A, you need to have a proper view of yourself. Uh, People who do not have a proper view of themselves tend to uh, think about and focus on what they perceive to be their own importance, their abilities, um, their opinions, their education, their popularity, their looks. Uh, Wherever they can hold on to something that can make them feel good about themselves, their position, their possessions, their titles. And they want you to know that they are somebody. Not because they have the security of being somebody on the inside. It's really rooted in the insecurity that they've got to tell everybody who they are. He says you ought to think well of yourself but not too highly. Uh, don't, don't, Don't get beside yourself because it's easy to get beside yourself even when you don't have much. He says, think of yourselves soberly. I I like that phrase, sober judgment, right? Soberly uh, means to have a balanced, sane, in your right mind view of yourself. Uh, Sober judgment. Here's here's what I think about when I hear that that phrase, sober judgment. Uh, Have you ever seen the judgment of a person who's inebriated and, and drunk? They don't tend to make good decisions, right? Like, if you want to see a person really get beat up, look at a drunk person who thinks they're ready for a fight, right? When that person gets going, like, man, I was trying, I, I, and like, what? Out. They don't, they don't remember the punch. They don't remember anything the next day, right? They just talk and smack. But let's talk about something more dangerous, a drunk person driving, Right? Their motor skills are impaired. So even getting behind the wheel was not a sign of good judgment. And driving was not good judgment. And thousands of people lose their lives because of accidents caused by drunk drivers. Right? Paul says you need to be sober in your judgment. Like you need to look at yourself and you need to see who you really are. Don't don't delude yourself. Don't don't fool yourself. I mean, the only thing worse than running game on somebody else is being so good that you run game on yourself. And you fool yourself into thinking you are something that you're really not, that you are somebody that you are really not. So the exhortation comes forth. To think of oneself accurately. That's really the idea of humility, right? It's not this false humility to have skills, abilities, and talents and say, oh, that's nothing. No, that's lying. It means to think accurately about yourself. To honestly and accurately assess yourself. To identify your strengths, your weaknesses, and your limitations. To highlight your weaknesses, work on your strengths, and do your best to stay away from your limitations so that you can be the best you can possibly be to the glory of God. 
He says, it's only when we think soberly that we can fulfill our potential. If we think too highly of ourselves, we'll attempt to do more than we're actually able to do and blame other people for what we have not accomplished. If you think too lowly of yourself, then you'll sit on the sideline when you should be out on the field participating and doing the best you can with what you have. James chapter 4 verse 10 reads, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Proverbs 22 verse 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Proverbs 29 verse 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Here's the B part. Number one, you need to recognize what God has blessed you with. You not only need to have a proper view of yourself, but you need to recognize what God has blessed you with. Verse one, let me read it. uh, Verse three, I'm sorry. Let me read it in its entirety. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. He says, we are to walk humbly, make an honest evaluation of ourselves, make an honest evaluation, listen to me carefully, of the place you are at, not the potential that you have. Now, somebody may say, why am I focusing on the place that I'm at, not the potential that I have? Because if you focus on the potential that you have and don't start at the place you are at, you will never get to the place where you fulfill that potential. He says, look at where you are. Look at where you are and identify the measure of faith that God has given you. Now, when he talks about the measure of faith, He is not talking about saving faith. He's talking about serving faith. He's not talking about a worshiping faith in the sense of a faith that may be displayed in the sanctuary. He's talking about a working faith that should be seen in every day of your life. This is a faith that includes the gifts and abilities that God has given to you and the faith that it takes to do what God has gifted you to do. Lord have mercy. I need to put a cord in the meter and park right here for a second because there's somebody who's watching right now. Listen to me carefully. You may have identified the gift that God has deposited within you, but you have yet to put into motion the faith necessary to put your gift into action. And you might not have put your faith into action in terms of the exercising of your gift because of what somebody else may have said or done or maybe what you have said or done to yourself. And so he says, listen, don't think too highly of yourself. Have sober judgment. Somebody, you need to have a black coffee conversation with yourself. Matter of fact, let me go to another place with this because there's somebody who's watching right now. Here's one of the biggest problems you have. All of your friends agree with you. 
and none of your friends will tell you the truth. And the friends that you had who would tell you the truth, you cut them off because you said, if you was my friend, you wouldn't have hurt my feelings. Or if you were my friend, you wouldn't have told me that. Or if you were my friend, you, you would support me and everything. And they were just trying to tell you what? The truth. Give you sober judgment. And he says, there are those of you now who are sitting on your gift because you don't have the faith, the working faith, to drive the confidence and courage to live out and flesh out what God has deposited within you. Every person has a gift from God, at least one. And each one of us, in order to use that gift properly, we have to have sober judgment We have to have humility of mind so we don't get beside ourselves. We recognize that we are a vessel to be used by God, and then we make ourselves available to be used by God, and we have the faith to trust God to put that gift into action. You know, one of the things we've done over the last year, we've used COVID as an excuse not to put our gifts into action. We, we haven't challenged ourselves to think outside of the box, to think about different ways. For example, if you have the gift of encouragement and you couldn't come to the church to encourage people, did you ever think about how you can encourage people online? Did you ever think about how you can encourage people utilizing various digital platforms? Have you ever thought about how you can encourage people even while maintaining six to eight feet of distance between you? How many people have literally said, well, since I can't do it the way I used to do it, I'm not going to do it at all, instead of asking God, God, give me wisdom and show me a different way to do it. Somebody said to me, when is your church going to reopen? I had to correct them and say the church has never been closed. We just found a new way to communicate the old story. We have no reason to think more highly of ourselves than we should, and if we do, the problem is not in others. The problem is within us because ultimately a proper view of ourselves comes from looking at ourselves through the lens of God's Word. Look at James 1.17. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Ephesians chapter 4, read it with me if you will, beginning at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Let me see if I can roll through this and encourage you. Number two, you need to make sure you have a proper view of others every day. You need to make sure you have a proper view of others every day. Verse four, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we Though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. 
when we overvalue who we are, we undervalue who other people are. And when we overvalue who other people are, we undervalue who we are. Paul says we have to learn how to have a proper view of not just ourselves, but we also need to have a proper view of others. Here's a mistake that I believe many people make. They think in order to love themselves, they've got to hate somebody else. And they haven't learned and realized that the heart is big enough to love somebody else and love yourself. I don't have to be against you to be pro-me. I don't have to tear you down to lift me up. That I actually can build you up and build me up and we both can be built up to the glory of God. Look at A. You need to realize everyone has been blessed with a unique gift and role that matters. You need to realize everyone has been blessed with a unique gift and role that matters. Verse 4 says, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. God gives every person, not just one person, not a few people, but he blesses and gives every person. And when we recognize that, we recognize that no person, including ourselves, has a monopoly on any gift or ability. Every single believer has been blessed with at least one gift, and no believer has been omitted by God. And because of that, you have to recognize that every believer is important to God, even if you don't think they're important to you or your program. You, you know what I've, I've learned over the years as, as pastor of this church and my entire pastoral life? I've learned that there are times when God will bring people into my sphere not because they are important or viewed as important by the world, but to see how I will view them and how I will treat them. And, and in the church, it can become almost like the disciples in Jesus. You remember people would come to Jesus and they would have a need, and the disciples would be like, hey, he ain't got time to deal with you. I mean, I've had that happen literally, and, and I'm not saying the, the people around me weren't well-meaning, but they would literally say, oh, no, 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 he can't, he can't see you right now. No, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 I can't, I, can't, I can't be too busy to speak to somebody who wants to speak to me or to encourage somebody who needs encouragement, Right? I've got to learn how to literally see them for the worth and value of what God has deposited within them because if I recognize that worth and value, they may just one day recognize that worth and value in themselves. Old lady said some years ago, if the task is ever too low for you, the problem is you're too high. So let me go one step further. If a person is ever too low for you, the problem is you're too high. Because if that's a person that Jesus could die for, then you could at least speak to him. Let me move on. B, you need to realize we are all part 
of the same body in Christ. We are all part of the same body in Christ. Verse 5 says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We do not have the same office or function, but we all have a specific purpose, and we're all part of the same body. I love the fact that the Apostle Paul uses this body analogy because he basically says, look at the human body, right? You have eyes, you have hands, you have a nose, you have a mouth, and each one of your body parts has a different function they have and serve a different purpose, but one part of the body is not better than the other part of the body. One part of the body can't proclaim to the other part of the body that, that I don't need you. No, there's an interdependence of body parts, and when all of those body parts are functioning as intended, the body can maximize its potential. But watch this. If any body part is not functioning as it is intended, then you know what we call that? We call that a disability, that that person is handicapped. Why? Because part of their body is not functioning as it was intended. And God says, I want you to understand that every person, no matter who they are, no matter what their educational level may be, Every person has been deposited, has had deposited within them a gift, and they are a necessary part of the body. And the reason the body is not functioning as it is intended is because the body is handicapped, because there are some body parts that aren't working properly. They're not being allowed to work properly, or maybe they are hurt or injured, and they are not functioning as intended. Here's what God wants you and wants me to understand. There's no room for self-elevation, pride, or arrogance in the body. And when you make it about you, there's a level of pride and arrogance there that you may not even recognize. Literally, when you say, you know what, they don't do this for me, they don't do this for me, how's the world revolve around you? What, what lesson is God trying to teach you about you. See, every person is important in the body of Christ, and you need to know who you are, honestly evaluate yourself and others, and know what God has given to you in terms of a gift. Make sure you don't over-evaluate or under-evaluate somebody else. And don't over-evaluate or under-evaluate yourself. Look at yourself honestly. Ask God to show you who you are, and then more importantly than showing you just who you are, who he wants you to be, and what you can do from this moment forward. Don't look backwards and say, see, the reason I'm not all that I could be was because of this and because of that. Because okay, that's in your past. Now moving forward from now on, what can you do to fulfill your potential in God and become who God created you to be? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today. My prayer is, is that as your word has gone forth, it has found fertile ground in your heart, in the heart and minds of your people to help us become all you want us to be. Help us to see ourselves and others properly so we do not over-inflate our value and undervalue others, but that we would have a balanced perspective soberly 
thinking so that our judgment would be in alignment with your word, your will, and your desire for us. I thank you, Lord. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen. If you've been watching today and you want to know how to ask the Lord into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Click on the button, I want to accept Christ, but how I want to become a Christian. And we will walk you through how to ask the Lord into your life, how to pray the prayer of salvation and make a decision. Remember, it's not about routine or rituals. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God who loves you where you are but doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life. If you want to join the church, you can also click on the button that says, I want to join the church. And we want to help facilitate your discipleship on the digital platform. And when I say disciple, I mean to help you become the Christ follower that God wants you to be so you can become more and more like Jesus Christ. There are six ways that you can worship the Lord in giving. You've had opportunity throughout the service, but for those of you who may have waited, uh, we welcome and thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity in giving. Um, I can promise you that uh, your giving goes to help change the world for Jesus Christ. Uh, over a million pounds of food distributed since last year. Um, we're looking at touching hundreds of lives of young people, children, and the like. Uh, I want to thank our various ministries for their faithfulness, um, whether it's our membership ministry under the direction of Reverend Ronald Bell, our maturity ministry under the direction of Reverend Darrell Rose, our ministry mobilization team under the direction of Reverend Todd Strayhorn, our missions team under the direction of Reverend Mark Sloan, our magnification, our worship team under the direction of Elder Mark Taylor, our management team under the direction of Sister Jessica Alston, our children's ministry under the direction of Dr. Misha Birkins, our youth and young adult ministry under the direction of Reverend Chris Johnson, um, our operations team under the direction of Travis Rucker. I mean, I can just go on and on. Um, all of these teams have done just an absolutely tremendous job throughout this COVID pandemic. And I want to thank you. We, we sent out a survey a couple of weeks ago, and we asked on a scale of 1 to 10 how much this digital offering has blessed you. Have you been sufficiently ministered to over the last year? And 98% of you said on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 out of 10. The other 2% said 9 out of 10. Uh, we'll take that approval rating any day. So as we continue to move towards a soft opening, uh, we're planning on doing one the end of this month and we'll be sending out information for registration for that. And as we prepare to open in the fall of this year, if the Lord says the same and the creek don't rise, we're continuing to offer on the digital platform all that you need to become all that God wants you to be. So we, we appreciate that. Um, if you've been blessed by the message, if you're being blessed in this series, being a believer every day, 
uh, sign up for our life groups. Uh, life stands for living in fellowship every day. And we're going to plan some fellowship events, not just around the word, but just spending time together. You know, one of the things that we're seeing is that people literally are not just burned out with Zoom. They just want to see other people, you know, like, man, you alive. You know, we had our parking lot praise uh, earlier this month, and we were in the midst of praise and worship out in the parking lot, and nobody was singing. Everybody was just looking and waving and talking to each other. And I was like, well, then let's just fellowship, right? Because that was clearly something that was missing. And so we're going to create some, some opportunities uh, to do that for those of you who have received your vaccinations and you want to come out and you just want to fellowship with other people. Uh, we're going to help you to do that in a very safe and responsible way. All right. Listen, don't forget, God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. Sometimes we can't see it all, but we have to trust in Romans 8, 28. It says, all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. All things work together for the good. The individual ingredients may not taste good, but when you put it all together, it creates a wonderful dish. And I believe God is doing something wonderful in your life through all that's going on. All right? Come on, let's sing together. God bless you and God be with you.